Hi, I'm David Kaplan, and you're listening to the Sports Talk Live podcast. Enjoy the show. We have Bulls basketball tonight on NBC Sports Chicago. Will they hold on to a fourth quarter lead? Will the second team play down the stretch? Jim Boylan used something called a timeout. Find out right here. The Bulls travel to Atlanta to take on the Hawks. Pre-game live, top of the hour. Then it's Jason Benetti, Stacey King on the call at 6.30. You can stream it on the My Teams app. Speaking of struggling teams, the Bears. Mitchell, Trubisky, and company look to silence the TV pundits and end their four-game slide Sunday against the Lions, who have the second-worst defense in the league and the third-worst pass defense. So if Mitch and the offense can't get going this week, oh boy, Monday will be fun. Bring the starters back a little sooner. Nope. Because I'm going to develop this bench. I'm going to develop this team. I got, I got, I got 15 guys to develop, and uh, I'm going to play them in those moments, and they're going to learn how to play winning basketball. I'm not going to. I have never, I've never yanked guys. I've never done that. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So we're going to develop that second group, and we're going to have a bench here in Chicago, and. I'm going to keep coaching it. When they made their run, you were hesitant to call a timeout. Yep. About four minutes. Why did you Because yep. we got to figure it out. we gotta, we got to learn. we got to settle down. And I want to see somebody take control and take over the thing. Okay? That's, that's, that's where we got to grow. So I had four, I think, and uh, could have used one, and I didn't. So it was on my heart. It was on my mind. So... Timeout's got nothing to do with the free throw line box out. Timeout's got nothing to do with moving it to the next guy. Doesn't have anything to do with it. Okay, welcome in to Sports Talk Live, presented by the Chevy Silverado. I'm David Kaplan. Hope you had a really good day. Let's meet the panel for today's show from WGN Radio and FanSided.com. I'm the always spirited Mark Carmen. We have Patrick Finley, Chicago Sun Times, Alex Maragos, NBC Five. All right. Bulls lose last night. They blow a fourth quarter lead that was as big as 13 in the fourth, 19 points for the game, and they can't find a way to stem a 19-0 run by the Los Angeles Lakers. I will start with you, my friend, because I love Jim Boylan's passion. However, when you watch that lead start going this way, you got to pull the guys that aren't starters. Jim Boylan had a rough night. The Bulls had a rough night. Uh, the Lakers are a very good basketball team. I don't, the contention, or I don't even know if it's out there, but if he had put the starters in when everybody wanted to, I don't know if they're winning that basketball game either. They're just not a very good team right now. Even though, as many of the Bulls said, they did play well for, for three quarters last night. But uh, look, Phil Jackson used to do that. We're not going to call timeout. You guys figure it out. But, you know, he had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. <laughs> you know, there's, these guys need some direction from their head coach. And I, I appreciate, like, the concept that he's going with, but they're just not there yet. So I, if I was Jim, I would, you know, grab a little more a hold of this team and, and try to not let them go into a complete free fall to start the season. Yeah, and I understand him. I understand in theory what he's trying to say here, but I think he needs to understand that there's some symbolism to beating the Lakers at home when your team has looked just awful all year. There's, there's some excitement the fan base would get if you actually you know, looked like you were giving everything to try to win that game, to try to beat LeBron, to try to beat AD. 
that would mean more than just a Tuesday night in November. That would be meaningful. And he didn't seem to appreciate that, which, which I thought was just odd. I have watched him say this quote twice, once on my phone, now once on television. <laughs> I have read this quote three times. I read the individual sentences and I read it in whole and I still can't quite figure out exactly how that makes anything better. When you see the team going on, I thought the whole thing is supposed to be winning the game in the first place. Uh, you had LeBron and you had Anthony Davis in foul trouble on the bench to start the quarter. You had bench players for the Lakers beating you at this point. You've, you've blown all these fourth quarter leads against the Knicks, against other bad teams. I, I wonder at some point if the alarm bell's not going off to take the timeout out of your head and your heart and call the thing and try to win the game at home against the Lakers. Yeah, I, I've tr and, and it comes after some w unusual comments about coaching effort the day before that was leading up to this game that also left me scratching my head. I couldn't figure out what either comment meant for this team. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with the effort stuff. The timeout stuff, I get it. I don't get it. I've worked for coaches who are figure it out, especially early in the season. Playoffs, different story. But early in the season, you guys figure it out. But the, I'm developing 15 guys when I need to win like a starving man needs food. And right. Well, do you remember when Tibbs played seven? Everybody hated him, ran him out of town. Right. You remember when Tibbs never had effort problems with his players and everybody hated him, ran him out of town? This is the exact opposite. The other thing is to expect the guys, you know, players six through ten on your roster to be able to, to figure things out, I don't think that's fair to them either. I think timeouts exist to give your second string a talking to. And nobody's but, pretending the NBA is equal opportunity. I mean, the best players are going to play in the big moments Correct. and early at late at games, so I, I, I don't know if that was kind of a hedge to make it feel that way. I, I don't know if who he's trying to protect or make feel better by that comment. It, it just felt weird. Well, by the way, here's our Ankin Law Sports Talk Live poll question. Which was more indefensible last night? Leaving the second unit out there as the lead went from 19 all the way down to a loss or not using one of his four left time, timeouts left. Go to NBCSportsChicago.com slash vote. For me, this is easy. Leaving the second team out yeah. there, right. it's not close. Yeah, but hold on. The second team, you, you have, to me at least, the most interesting player on the team is playing 6 through 10, and Kobe White was having a pretty good game, so I wasn't like screaming to get him off the court. You also have a guy in Chris Dunn who is playing better than Thomas Sadoransky right now, and maybe you're trying to up his value in a trade. So, like, the whole, like, they're 6 through 10. Mark, like, I don't care who was out there. The lead went from 19 so, to your so a 19 0 run. Call a timeout. Get them in control. Let's reset. Let's not forget. You, they're going to make a run. It's the NBA. You're, Runs happen all the time. You're playing not 19 0. You're playing the Lakers at home. I get back to this. Tonight, when you're in Atlanta, do whatever you want. And you're at home. <laughs> I mean, you got it. That was show. a statement game. Yes, of hey, course guess what? it was. Folks, I know we were 2 and 5. Take that, Lakers. Instead, no. Well, the other thing and about By the way, is can we please. Memo to the fans, all these fake bandwagon Laker fans now that are all showing up wearing not just LeBron jerseys, there was freaking purple everywhere. Do you see a Dwight Howard jersey in there somewhere? That's probably. <laughs> it, it was a Kuzma. It was incredible, incredibly noticeable for me last night at the United Center, just listening to the introductions. LeBron's getting a bunch of cheers and a bunch of boos. You go through the Bulls' entire starting lineup. Golf and not even that. <laughs> not, I mean, you know, starting a guard, Thomas Sadoransky, zero. Not, not, not even. I Nothing. mean, Laurie Markkinen. Okay, yeah. Couple. I mean, there's just there's yeah. no juice for this team right now. The the fan base is not excited by any of it. At least it, Lowry it, showed up for the lineups. That's <laughs> yeah, he's not playing great basketball not right there. That which is a huge problem. That that's that, huge. Yeah, I mean, this was your guy, franchise player. Hopefully, 
he's shooting progressing. I think shooting 26 from beyond the arc right now. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So. Nine points yesterday, I believe. And it Zach, doesn't look good. No. Zach Levine going rogue after the Lakers run, just going to dribble the ball, dribble the ball, and shoot. And, like, I get it. At this point, well, you know, I'm going to try to save us. Nobody else is doing anything, but that's not where you want to be. To me, he just looked like Zach Levine. Isn't that what he always does? <laughs> This is the same guy that barked, don't question my defense. I'm going to the All-Star game. Right. What All-Star game? <laughs> I mean, I mean, he could go. I mean, it's here. I mean, he could show up. Get a ticket. Exactly. The fourth quarter stuff to me is just maddening. I mean, especially in New York, because they, they hadn't had a win at that point. They gave them the first win in the Garden uh, with you know, uh, them coming back. And then Cleveland as well. I mean, it's just been the teams Charlotte. that they've been losing. Charlotte, the t- yeah, who are really bad now. Yeah. The teams they've been losing to, and they got some okay teams coming up. Trey Young's back for the Hawks, but that's hard. Okay, so are they better off just using this as a developmental season, get another high draft pick if, if they get lucky? Or they're the ones that said it's time to win games. We're thinking playoffs. Not me. They said it. Right, which was a, a crazy optimistic belief by fa- the fandom, by the media, and th- their statement. That's, they it's actually a, have enough talent to be a playoff team. I, okay, maybe they could be – sure, they could be a seven or eight seed in the right. bad end of the Eastern Conference. What does that get you in the NBA? Absolutely. Progress, kid. Uh, okay, fine. Yeah. But there were, this is a 30-win team last year. Were they really going to make a jump? No, ten? it was a 22-win <laughs> Okay, whatever. <laughs> it, it could have been a 30-win team last year at, at best is what I'm trying to say. This team, can it get to – you know, to get to 40 wins, this squad, I mean, they look like they're going to end up All in the right. 20s. After the break, let's think positive. Never mind. <laughs> now talk about the Bears. Mitch trying to turn off the TVs at Hallis Hall and turn on the offense. But what happens if he can't get going against a Lions team that stinks defensively? And one year ago today, Jeremy Culverton became the Blackhawks head coach after a lackluster effort last night in San Jose. Should Jeremy Culleton already be on the hot seat? Your Bulls, your way, anywhere, anytime. Download the My Teams app by NBC Sports. Stream games and get the best Bulls coverage in Chicago at your fingertips. Download the My Teams app today. Coming Saturday to NBC Sports Chicago's Headstrong Mental Health and sports. But look at how prominent athletes are helping us remove the stigma from mental health issues and find solutions. Watch Headstrong this Saturday on NBC Sports Chicago, presented locally by Advocate. I'm trying to get some of these TVs in the building turned off because you got too many people talking on TV about us and uh, what they think about us, what we should do, what we are and what we're not. But they don't really know who we are or what we're capable of people or what we're going through or what we're thinking. Um, it's just the outside viewers uh, looking in. And uh, so, yeah, tunnel vision, earmuffs, and just come to work every day and try to get better and get back to what we know we're capable of doing. Thanks for watching the show, Mitch. Appreciate it. <laughs> Can the offense finally get going against a bad Lions defense? I ask you, Mr. Finley. Do you expect a much improved offensive performance? Much improved? No. I'm not asking for <laughs> no, 48 no. points like improved, Tampa last year. Improved? Yes. I mean, if he plays another first half like the last one he played, he might as well just move out of town today. Uh, I expect them to be better. I might even expect them to win. Mm-hmm. But um, to he's going to have to start making such incremental growth Every game for the next eight games, for there to even be a conversation about his future as the franchise quarterback, I don't think we're there yet. 
Okay, I want to read you something because Olin Krutz, who I love, and he's on our football after show, mm-hmm. said he broke down every play of the first half and none of it was on Mitch. Yeah, I said it's the O-line's fault. He right? said it's the O-line's fault. So I had Jack Del Rio on today, who's really, really good. Two-time NFL head coach. And I said, have you broken the tape down? He said, no, I'll tell you what. I'll take your exercise and I'll get back to you in 20 minutes. You gave him homework. I gave him homework. <laughs> and he watched every play of the first half from the Bears offense. This is what Jack Del Rio had to say to me. Cap, here's some thoughts as I promised you. First half recap versus Philly. Three runs, five, minus four, minus one. 12 passes, three sacks, two drops, two poor throws. Mitch missed on the first third down, looked indecisive throughout, even double pumped a check down. Offensive line struggle with number 91 because he needs extra attention. First two plays of the game were runs, then one run to finish the half with 12 passes. I cannot place this solely on the O-line. Overall, they lack rhythm and confidence, and you know, before the draft and after, I was never a Trubisky fan. That's, that's a, Jack Del Rio. That's a long text. Good for, good for him on texting. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, the reason they're throwing so much, though, is because they're getting penalties. They're getting false starts. They're, I mean, second and 13, first and 15, third and 12. These aren't rundowns. And, and Nagy talked about, you know, you only have so many plays you can call there, and those are passes. But he's been really bad, <laughs> and there is no sugarcoating. Are we talking Mitch or Nagy? Yes, Mitch. Well, both. both. I mean, it's hand in hand, but, uh, but Mitch has been awful. I mean, the throw, even Nagy said, and Nagy is so loath to criticize him. I don't know why. Yeah, but the deep ball down the right sideline to Allen Robinson, that would have been a 50-yard gain. He said, yeah, he double-pumped it and left it short. Correct, but he still has to catch it. It hit him in both hands. He said he has to catch it for sure. But, I mean, even there, he hasn't done many good things. And to try to parse it, to me, doesn't make sense. He's been bad. Maybe we we got a little window eye on the criticism with that quote that we just saw right there with when Mitch sees criticism that maybe how how he reacts to things like that. I don't know if he's necessarily going to come back and play – Definitely not as good as he did against Tampa Bay. Maybe half as good as he did against the Redskins, but we had five takeaways in that game, so that usually helps things a little bit. It definitely, there's only one way for it to go from this point. And the whole, the whole thing that we've been talking about over the course of the season is that identity crisis, starting with the coaching staff and then leaking to the quarterback. I don't know exactly what we're trying to figure out right now. The quarterback can't play. Nobody is arguing that, right? Uh, so... Whether the offensive line was phenomenal or not, sure, he could look better. I think he would look better, but... The Bears are going to have to move on from Mitchell Trubisky. How, when are they going to do it? Is it going to be at the end of the year? I would think it would be. How could do you, you think he won't be here next year? I, maybe he'll be here, but he'll be here in a backup role. Maybe, but I don't yeah. see any scenario where he's not wearing 10 on the Bears. I, I think he would be here competing for a starting Correct. job with somebody. And, and to Olin's point, when Nagy comes out and says, it wasn't Mitch, it was everybody, it can be everybody. And it's still Mitch. Just because the old line's playing poorly doesn't mean Mitch Talk is playing well. Talk to the guy well. who covers the Lions today. <laughs> right, yeah. He watched every play of every game the Bears have played. Oh, why? He said if you drop Matthew Stafford the way he's playing, and he's not considered a top-five quarterback, drop him on the Bears, he goes, you're going to the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford is the truth. I, Matthew it's Stafford really as a player. thrower is a really good player. Really good player. All right, let's talk a little bit of Blackhawks hockey. A year ago. They fired Joel Quenville and named Jeremy Culleton the new head coach. A year later, they're arguably a worse hockey team. Alex, what do you think is going on over at 1901 West Madison? Is it too early for him to be on the hot seat? Because 
I'm not sure it is. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure it is either because I think I was actually here around that same time, maybe right after. Uh, you had Quenville get fired last year. This was tough seeing them go up a couple of goals and then fall flat. Jonathan Taves calling the team Tim. And now you have Taves and Kane starting both kind of uncharacteristically slow this year. So you don't know if they're going to pick up uh, from where they have been. Typically, we like to see them perform. I don't think it is too early to be on the hot seat. But um, I guess the next month or so toward the end of the year, we're going to see how hot that seat gets. It's really not that different than Jim Boylan. I mean, you know, somebody you know steps in. Uh, for a far more accomplished person, seems to get an initial jolt, and, and now you wonder whether they're. Did he used his timeouts last night. You <laughs> <laughs> got four of them, I, I think. I, you know, it was on you, his heart. You get the initial yeah. jolt, and, and then and then the next year Peter's out. But this is hockey. These moves are made in hockey after a year. More, I mean, what? What's the average lifespan in hockey under three years? Something mm -hmm. like that. I I would think it's far more likely. It's very. Interesting how he's handled the defenseman situation, benching Seabrook, playing Seabrook, but that's a tough spot to be in, man. You've got some aging players, and who are you going to pick? He's he's kind of in an unwinnable position to me. But that being said, I don't think he's inspiring confidence really. No, it right doesn't now. sound like he's a very good communicator. It, you had Kane saying we we take two steps forward and one step back after the loss yesterday, and there was a little bit of confidence I think after they played the Ducks pretty well. They had an overtime win. And you wanted to see them get some momentum when you had on this road trip, and then you come back home after that, but it hasn't been all there. All right. There are three certainties in life. Death, taxes, Kevin Harvick winning the fall race to Texas. Two of the final four spots in NASCAR's championship race are set. Could we have some surprises Sunday in Phoenix? Scott Paddock from the Chicago Sports, uh, Chicago uh, Land Raceway joins us next, easy for me to say. <laughs> Get all of your Blackhawks news in the palm of your hand with the My Teams app by NBC Sports. The best place to stream the games, watch highlights, read articles, and more. Download the My Teams app today. Kevin Harvick won the fall race of Texas in 2017. He won the fall race of Texas in 2018. So guess what he did last Sunday in Texas? Wasn't close. Started on the pole at 119 of 334 laps. Had to lead six times, including the final 21 laps. So he locks up a spot in the championship race alongside Martin Truex Jr. They will be two of the four drivers of a chance at the championship in Miami. Final two spots up for grabs this Sunday in Phoenix. Kyle Busch, Joey Logano currently inside of the top four, but will they stay there? A win by Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, or Chase Elliott did knock one of them out. Chicago Land Speedway president Scott Paddock joins us on Sports Talk Live. All right, first of all, we're good friends. We socialize. How can you not tell me, hey, dude, you need to throw some money on Kevin Harvick? He was like 11 to 1. Yeah, he should have. I, I would have thought you would have figured that out by now. Kev, sorry, I, I'll give you the tip next time. But Wow. But yeah, I mean, 49 all-time cup wins now, tying him with his boss, Tony Stewart, owner of Stewart Haas Racing. So really a phenomenal Hall of Fame type of career. And you just, you, when, when it's this time of year, Kevin Harvick typically is getting everything lined up and, and he's heading into a racetrack this weekend out in Phoenix that he's dominated too, like no other track. So he's certainly one you got to keep your eye on. Is he a guy could cost Joe Gibbs a championship? And without a doubt, without a doubt. So we've got the Gibbs racer in there. 
They've checked the box with Martin Truex Jr. Now we've got the Stuart Haas. So nobody from Hendrick yet has checked the box. Kyle Busch would be in there on points if it ended today. But that's the beauty of this championship format cap. Now, any of those drivers you see on the screen right now has a shot. They have to win this weekend. Doesn't matter that Chase Elliott's 78 points down. He wins and takes a checkered flag this weekend in Phoenix. He punches his ticket and bumps one of those on the bump line. Wow. So, but the other two are already in. You, you got locked it. up. Uh, that's the premium on winning races, and that's created a lot more exciting. This is some of the best racing we've seen at the NASCAR Cup level in years, as as determined and measured by most green flag passes, most green flag league changes. This new competition rules package that put uh, a little more downforce and a little less horsepower to keep these cars bunched up has created some of the best racing we've seen in years, and we're, we're heading into a great championship run here these next couple weeks. All right, so let's talk about what happens with the guys who are already locked up? Is it, just don't get injured, just keep running? Or are they, we're in it to win it, man. Yeah. Well, at this point, normally in one of the earlier rounds, they could still accumulate points for wins. Um, you know, now everything kind of resets Correct. in Homestead in a week from now. And whoever crosses that checkered, that finish line first wins. So, I think, I think it's a little bit of, um, you know, they want to maintain their equipment, so they're probably going to want to stay out of trouble a little bit. There may be some strategy involved, too. If I can win, I could bump one of these racers out from getting in that's on the cut line, maybe making my chances of winning the championship a little more competitive. So I think every driver approaches it a little bit differently. And Phoenix is going to be a little bit of a challenge this weekend. So Harvick is the dominant racer, no doubt about it. But um, it's, it was reconfigured about a year ago, two very different turns. So the setup in turns one and two, which is a tighter, slower setup, is much different than the faster, more wide open turns three and four. So the challenge for these crew chiefs and engineers this weekend is going to be to find the right balance and compromise a little bit with the setup because these drivers are going to get a little bit out of the rhythm they normally feel on an oval track with similar turns. So who do you like at Phoenix? Who has the advantage? Well, I got to go with Kevin Harvick. He doesn't need to win this race, but he's so dominant, and he may just run up front all day, which is the safest place for him to be. But certainly, I think you got to look for Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. Those are two drivers that can only get in with wins. They're young. They're going to be going wide open. Uh, they're going to have it full throttle into those walls. No fear, no holds barred. So I look for maybe one of those to steal the thunder and punch their ticket for the weekend. All right. Uh, we get to make our picks. I will be a gentleman and let you go first. I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. I'm not really going out on a limb there, but given his nine-time dominance at ISM Raceway in Phoenix, I'm going to go with Harvick this weekend. Okay. I looked at Logano. We have Harvick in there. I'm going to go Kyle Busch. Okay, that's not a bad choice. All right, have a great day. Thank you. All right, there you go. That is a wrap for Sports Talk Live presented by the Chevy Silverado. Bulls pregame live is next. Have a wonderful evening. We'll see you tomorrow live from the United Center on Authentic Fan Night for the Blackhawks.